Just a few months ago, a team from Scripture Central went down to Guatemala. We're there now with the team leading out the Scripture Video Project. This is home to the Quechi people who speak the Quechi language. We think of Guatemala as a predominantly Spanish-speaking country, but a lot of these people don't speak Spanish, and they only speak Quechi, and their whole community speaks Quechi, and they don't really have a whole lot of outside contact with the Spanish-speaking Guatemalan population. The team is down here bringing the Book of Mormon to them, but not the bound book of paper and ink. These Guatemalans are about to experience a sacred book of scripture on film in their own tongue. We showed up and had crowds of people in the churches just waiting to see them. I'm Rebecca Devonis, and this is In the Book. This is a podcast where we flood the earth with testimonies of the Book of Mormon. David Taylor is a video editor and producer here at Scripture Central. Fluent in Spanish and learning Quechua, he works on our scripture video project and with the Latter-day Saints series. This 24-year-old father of two isn't at a tech company trying to make his way up the corporate ladder. He spends his workday dubbing indigenous languages to the Book of Mormon videos produced by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The seeds for this job were planted a few years ago while he was serving as a missionary in Peru. On the second transfer of my mission, I was in this area, and there were all of these Chinese restaurants all over the place. And every day I would walk by these Chinese restaurants, and I just thought, I can't speak to these people. These restaurant owners would come over from China by boat or plane and move to the jungle to live in this community. The only language they speak is Chinese, like they don't speak any Spanish at all. So I learned that because like we would go in and eat and I'd go to compliment them on the food or say, try and say something and they just had no idea what I was saying. There were no missionaries that spoke Chinese, so there was this impassable gulf between David and his Chinese neighbors. In David's words, they're just there. The only way to bridge this massive linguistic gap at the time was to actually learn a little bit of the language. And I thought, like, I have to learn Mandarin Chinese. Because if I don't, then nobody else is going to speak to these people. So I started learning little words here and there, and I would go in when I ate, and I would call them over, and I'd talk to them in the very broken Mandarin that I knew, with a terrible accent, I'm sure. But they would laugh at me, and they loved it, and they thought it was hilarious. People who immigrate to the banks of a new country hoping to make a new life for themselves are often met with all of the unforeseen challenges of the new region, a new culture, a new language. Making that adjustment to assimilate to a new place doesn't mean abandoning the old culture or language, but it's hard to do. So I'm sure the familiarity of neighborhoods or communities with others who have the same background and who speak the same language offers support and relief. So when someone like David shows up inside that community attempting to connect, it's pretty cool. Learning someone else's language is one of the most concrete ways to build connection. It tears down the walls of separation. 
But for David, it was more than just about building a connection. Language was the means whereby he could teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't know Spanish perfectly at that moment. I didn't even know it completely. But the fire of learning languages was still in me enough that I just felt like I had to keep learning and keep trying to reach new people with new languages. I really love sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I don't care what language I have to learn to do it. I'll do what it takes. After this encounter with the Chinese community in Peru, David was transferred to different cities with indigenous populations. I was transferred to a different city. There's this large community of people called um, Shipibo Coniwa, and that's the language that they speak as well, Shipibo Coniwa, or Shipibo for short. That language, I did end up learning a little bit just to say like, hello and say hi and stuff, but that language is really interesting because it's nothing like Spanish. All of these people that spoke and that speak Shipiwokonibo, they rarely speak Spanish, which means as a missionary, I can't communicate with them. And I saw those people all the time because I served in a poor area of that city, and they would live in houses with a dirt floor and walls that were basically just boards, which was pretty common in the jungle anyways, but even in those places they lived in the poorer, more humble homes. And they were scared of white people. They were scared of us as missionaries. They didn't really have any other friends that were Peruvian Spanish-speaking friends. They basically just had indigenous people that were their friends and their family, and that was it. And I would see them in the community, and I just felt bad that, again, that I couldn't communicate with them, speak to them. And there was no way to reach them through the printed word either. Of course, the Book of Mormon hadn't been translated into that language yet. And even if it had, David explained that indigenous languages are often written down, but those who speak them don't necessarily read the written form or read at all. For example, Quechua, which is a language from Peru that I'm, I'm working on in indigenous dubbing right now, that language was written down after the Spaniards came to Peru. So I think that the illiteracy rate is so high because if it wasn't written before and people didn't use a system of writing before, it's hard to incentivize them if they're not even the ones who came up with it in the first place. So if the illiteracy rates were so high, how would they ever receive the Book of Mormon? Sending missionaries who speak the language seems like a decent solution, but there weren't indigenous missionaries in the mission yet. I think there's about 30,000 Shipibo speakers worldwide, and the majority of them is found around Pucallpa, Peru, which is right where I was. So it's definitely a common indigenous language, and I just felt like I had to learn a little bit of that. So I, I tried my best and learned how to learned how to say hi to people and stuff and get them to smile and laugh and do stuff like that. But I never was able to learn the language enough to teach the gospel in that language, which really brought me a lot of pain in the mission because I just couldn't share it with those people. The missionaries in the area right now may not have the language in their repertoire, but they do have access to the recently filmed Book of Mormon videos that detail the events in the book through film. The first step of the dubbing project is to identify which languages are viable. The team has to determine how many people in a certain geographical area are receiving the gospel first. Currently, there are lots of people in India that are attending 
English-speaking wards or branches of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in India that speak indigenous languages and they don't always understand English. So much so that we've been approached by a very generous donor who has decided to fund that series of indigenous Indian languages. They then retrieve the audio and video files from the church, write the scripts, and then hire a local manager to form a team of people to translate, revise, and record the voices for all of those languages. David's team then aligns their recordings with the videos. They then send the drafted product to the indigenous speakers, who make sure that everything lines up. I asked him how he knows exactly where the words should go, considering that he doesn't speak all of these indigenous languages. It's a lot of asking ourselves what feels right. Does it feel right to have it this length? Does it need more here or there? Is this said slowly enough so that people are able to understand it? Is it audible? Is it possible to understand? Or is there too little space? Is it too fast? Um, so those are, those are questions that we have to ask ourselves as we do it. But there have been multiple times where I felt by the Spirit, that's not right. I need to go back and check that. I don't know why, but I go back and check something, and either there was something wrong, in some cases there's a word missing, a piece of audio missing that maybe I've accidentally cut out, or that was a little bit quiet and it didn't appear on the waveform of the audio, so it's hard for me to see it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of going off of the spirit to know where to make those adjustments and how to line those things up so that it's understandable. Nothing that we do is absolutely perfect because we don't speak the language, but right. the spirit helps us be a little bit more, a little bit better and a little bit more perfect. Certainly people can feel the power of the Book of Mormon, even if they can't read it. But with a storytelling tool like a video, the accounts in the book come to life. We're in the process right now of getting an app built. And the app is almost done. And that's where we're going to load up all these videos onto. And people on this app will actually be able to go in and select their own language, their indigenous language, download the Book of Mormon videos in that language, and then watch them on their phones whenever they want. Now they're working with the missionary department so that missionaries will have these videos at their disposal. Imagine having the Book of Mormon videos dubbed in hundreds of indigenous languages on a single app. Going back to Guatemala, the team had flown down there to deliver the videos to the Kechi community. When we turned these videos on, it was just silent. Everyone was glued to the screen They could not take their eyes off the video that they were watching and listening to in their native language. Even the kids that were one, two, three years old, they were just completely fixated on on the Book of Mormon. And as we finished screening those videos and letting them watch the videos, a lot of people were crying and they just said, thank you, we can finally understand the Book of Mormon. Some people said that they came to church every Sunday, but they never understood the Book of Mormon because they didn't know how to read or they could never read it because it wasn't in their language, but they felt that it was true, and that's why they decided to get baptized, because they felt that it was true, and they believed in it. They believed in Jesus Christ and in the Book of Mormon. And for them to finally see it in their language and hear, hear their own people make this audio of of the Book of Mormon videos, it was just incredible to see that. There were people that said, thank you for bringing these videos to us, because now we know that the Lord has not forgotten about us. I think it's beautiful that without even having read the Book of Mormon, 
the Kechi people went ahead and acted in faith, a principle that David himself is familiar with. He received his testimony of the Book of Mormon before he had read more than two verses. At age 16, David was living in Oregon, traversing the teenage life. At the time, not only was he feeling like he didn't have a home, but he was also feeling a void in his life. He tried to fill it with friends and partying, but wasn't fulfilled. I got into partying and hanging out with the wrong people, and I never really felt like that was fulfilling to me. It never felt satisfying. And while it momentarily filled that void with laughter and and stupidity and doing all those things, it never really filled it. So I still always had that void. One night at a party, he saw a girl who wasn't in the room where an R-rated movie was playing. People would go in and out, but she didn't ever go in. And I thought, that's weird. Why doesn't she want to come in here with everybody else? Everybody else is watching this movie. So I just walked out and went over to her and asked her, why aren't you here watching the movie with everybody else? Like, what's your issue, basically? (laughs) And she just said, straight up, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that's an R-rated movie, and I could care less what's in the movie because it doesn't go along with my values. And I just thought, wow, that's probably the boldest thing I've ever heard anyone say in my life. And... That contrast against my lack of values and my lack of backbone and her abundance of backbone and values and was enough for me to just be extremely curious about what she believed, period. So I asked her, what do you believe? And she started talking to me about the church and about the principles of the gospel. And we talked about the word of wisdom and the law of chastity. And my first impression of going to church was... I remember specifically walking up the sidewalk and going into the building. And as soon as I opened the first door, I just felt like I was at home. And for me, that was so remarkable because after my parents' divorce, I never felt like I was at home anywhere. I lived on this beautiful piece of property in this in this home that was, it wasn't huge, but it was perfect for my needs and my family's needs. And then I moved into this apartment building and I never felt like that apartment was my home. And every place I lived after that, I never felt like I was truly at home. But I go into this building that I've never been in before in my life with these people that I barely know, and I feel like I'm at home. And Kaylee gave me a copy of the Book of Mormon that Sunday. So I had that copy of the Book of Mormon for a couple days. I was busy with school and hadn't done anything with it until Thursday morning. That Thursday was actually the same day that I had the lesson with the missionaries just that night. So Thursday morning, I got ready nice and early and I had some time before I had to leave to go to school. And I just thought, well, why don't I just open up the Book of Mormon and and read a little bit? I went to what I thought was the middle and that was Moroni 10, Moroni chapter 10. And I just remember thinking, oh, this, I don't know, this looks good. And my eyes just rested on two verses specifically. And those verses are Moroni 10, four and five. And verses 4 and 5 say, And when ye shall receive these things, I would exhort you that ye would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, 
He will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye may know the truth of all things. Having read only a couple of verses, he did what the scripture said. He knelt down and prayed. I read those two verses and thought, this is the book. I've received it. I've read a little bit of it. I, I got to do what it says. And I did. I, I knelt down and, and asked in prayer. And I remember that Thursday was so good. It was just a good day. I just remember feeling content about everything that day. In school and everything else that I did, it just felt good. That night, he went to his lesson with the missionaries. The missionaries got started with the lesson by saying, David, we really prepared a lesson that was specific for you. However, we don't feel like we're supposed to share that lesson with you. We feel like we're supposed to share a scripture in the Book of Mormon. And that scripture is in Moroni, chapter 10, and it's verses 4 and 5. I felt like everything stopped. And even if it didn't, it, d- it did just enough for me to realize that God knew these two young men that were teaching me about the Book of Mormon. And he knew me. And I knew that there was no way that they could have prepared for that lesson and just known to share Moroni 10, 4 and 5 with me. So in that moment, I knew that God, the Eternal Father, existed. And I knew that his son, Jesus Christ, also existed. And I had a testimony of the Book of Mormon immediately and a testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith because I knew that if God could reveal that to me, that he could reveal everything else. In less than 12 hours, David read two verses in the Book of Mormon, prayed once about the truthfulness of the entire book, and received a testimony of four major doctrines. Since then, he has restlessly set out to bring the book to other people so that they too can feel what he felt and know what he knows, starting with his mission to Peru and continuing with his work. It's very important for the world to see the impact that this project has, not so that we can toot our horns and say, look what we did, but so that they can see that these are the latter days. The Lord's work is speeding up and it's not slowing down. We care about the Book of Mormon so much that we're willing to spend all this time and all these resources to get it into indigenous languages. It's that important to us that these indigenous people have the Book of Mormon because they matter just as much as anybody else. I asked David how his own testimony of the Book of Mormon has grown because of this work. It's easy to lose track of the tender mercies that the Lord gives us through the Book of Mormon, but when I see people receive it for the first time in their own language, and they're so happy because they can finally read it. It just reminds me that I can have that same excitement when I read the Book of Mormon as if I were reading it for the first time in my native language. It's taught me that the Book of Mormon is, it is so incredibly important for all people over the face of the earth. When the prophet Alma was entrusting the sacred records to the stewardship of his son Helaman, he said that they should go forth unto every nation kindred, tongue, and people. Alma foresaw the day that the Book of Mormon would reach all four corners of the earth, and projects like this are now fulfilling that prophecy. If, after listening to this episode, you're curious to watch the Book of Mormon videos yourself, 
You can find them on churchofjesuschrist.org. And I personally recommend watching or listening to the recent interview that Stephen Jones here at Scripture Central conducted with Jackson Vanderwerken, who plays Nephi, in those videos. Has the Book of Mormon changed your life? Send your story to inthebook at scripturecentral.org. This is a Scripture Central podcast directed by James Dalrymple, and I produced this episode with script contributions by Ryan Coons. I'm Rebecca DeBonis, and this is In the Book.